Hello, I'm Jill Baker and would like to welcome you to Hempson's series of podcasts which looks at welfare cases in the Court of Protection. These podcasts are intended for social care providers. Hempson's are a leading health and social care and charity lawyers who work very closely with social care providers on the full range of legal issues they face. With no further ado, I'll pass you over to Rachel Hawkin and Liz Stokes, who are both members of Hempson's Health and Social Care Advisory Team and are very experienced on working on court protection welfare matters. Thanks, Jill. So I'm Rachel and this set of mini series over a case of six episodes will take you through the basics of court protection for welfare matters. And in each episode, we're going to delve into areas where we think we can assist providers, the extent of their likely to be involved, what they should consider and how they can prepare. This third episode will be an overview discussion looking at disclosure in the Court of Protection and specifically how a social care provider might find themselves in receipt of a request for disclosure and what they need to consider to make sure they can obtain compliance. I think we should probably start with what what is disclosure? Mm, Thanks Liz. So disclosure is quite a broad topic. If we narrow it down to Court of Protection and looking at care providers themselves, it really is to do with care notes, so daily records, how the individual to whom the care provider is providing care for is getting on really on a day-to-day basis. So often disclosure is the first step that you'll see in court of protection cases. And it's usually with a case of trying to develop information gathering, information sharing. So it's very unusual, as we've discussed before, for a care provider to be joined as a former party to proceedings but it's far more common for them to receive disclosure orders and we can look at that throughout this podcast. So we're looking at basically what what would the disclosure include um, and, and who would a social care provider disclose it uh, to basically. So you mentioned uh, care notes and daily records um, presumably a request for disclosure of information would include things like observation records um, uh, care plans as well, um, and basically anything that 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 um, provided information around the care provided to, to an individual. Um, mm. What about things like um, contact with external healthcare professionals as well? I'm, uh, I'm aware social care providers keep records of those as well. Would that would that be included? And, and is it anything that's really generated by the the care provider? Yeah, pretty much. So that is all within the remit of what we might be seeing disclosure requests for. The way that disclosure happens can either be in a formal or an informal basis. Where it's formal, it should be very clear what disclosure is being requested, what class of documentation that's going to cover. So exactly as you said, that could be all records generated by a health body um, which the care provider needs to deliver day-to-day care. So it could be notes of discussions with a GP, it could be notes of referrals made um, to SALT, for example, and different therapies and responses back. So that could all be captured. Generally, disclosure is the documents that you have in your possession. So that can be very wide-ranging for social care providers. And the, ta- the task rather of disclosure is often quite a big one especially for care providers who might not yet have digitised and still have hand records. So it's really important if you do receive a request for disclosure to be very clear on what it is that they're asking for and that what they're asking for is something actually within your possession. If it's not, you can't give it. And just going back a little bit of a step, um, you Mm. need to be clearly, obviously, aware of who's asking for that information. It's like any other request for information for agency. You have to make clear... Who, who is that, whether it's a formal or informal request for disclosure, um, to make sure that you're not 
um, inadvertently disclosing information that you shouldn't be um, mm. disclosing. So yeah. you mentioned a formal or informal. So the likely request for an informal might come from presumably um, someone who's commissioning the care and who's asking for the information on an informal basis. Um, and then presumably the formal disclosures, if you already mentioned, sort of the third party disclosure order. So what does the third party disclosure order look like? So the third party disclosure order can often when you're not involved in proceedings or you haven't had any legal involvement can look a bit like a daunting document. It's very formal. It will have pleadings at the top, which gives you a court reference and parties details, which in court of protection proceedings will often be anonymised. And then it will have a few introductory paragraphs as to the purpose of the order, but it will be very clearly labelled within the tram lines on the first page, third party disclosure order. And it should set out um, in very specific terms that it's an order made of the court, that the order is made against a named social care provider, and what documentation that social care provider has been asked by the court to disclose to who and by what date. And questions that I think we have quite often is what happens if you don't comply with that order and um, maybe we can deal with it at the same time. What happens if you, you're happy to disclose the information, but it's going to take you an awful lot longer to disclose that information than the date that it's been requested by? Mm. So first off, if you receive a third party disclosure order, it's an order of the court. And so you need to comply with it. It's mandatory. If you think that you've actually got lots of records, which might exceed thousands of pages, and maybe there's been a delay in you receiving the order or the timescale that's been given is no longer realistic. And it's worth saying that normally the time frame for disclosure is 14 working days. So usually it is doable. But if you find yourself that actually you don't have the resources, which is a very common problem for social care providers, or as I say, you haven't got your records quite in the state that you'd want them to be in, so you can't just click a few buttons, hit download, review and then hit send, then you can ask for extensions of time. If you're going to do that, you need to be clear on a few things. So first of all, who you need to ask that extension of time from. And that would in the first instance go back to the individual party that's served you with a third party disclosure order. So the third party disclosure order is made by the court, but the parties will feed into that. And normally it's the party that represents the individual subject of the proceedings. So it could be the official solicitor or it could be their litigation friend. So you go back to them and you say that you've received the order, but actually you need an extension of time. And then that's something that parties when the proceedings can agree, um, and normally, it's if it's going to be a fairly minor extension, for example, another seven days, then normally that's doable because it's always far more preferable to start these cases to make sure that we have all the information we need rather than going on regardless. So it's about making sure that you know what time frame you need and that that time frame is realistic and you can still comply with the extension. And then presumably once you start trying to comply with the order, you sort of look at the order and you look at your records um, noting the deadlines and pull everything together. Mm. Yeah, it's really important to act promptly once you receive that order, because as soon as you receive it, that time frame starts clocking down. So if you have, and often the orders are termed to say disclosure within 14 days of receipt of the order. So you need to make sure that you're very clear when you received it, count your 14 days or whatever that term says is your required amount of time and diarise that as a date make sure that you can comply with it. If you have any issues, again, be really prompt in raising that and say why. If it's because of volume, then that is a valid reason. 
but you can't just sit on an order unfortunately it might look a bit daunting but if you have any questions then the person that served you with the order is always a good place to start then in terms of sort of practical considerations in pulling the the information together I mean I think my experience is it is that it's really important that the records that are provided are comprehensive and not just sort of provided in a piecemeal way um, and that the quality of the copies of any records that are provided I mean ideally it would be electronic but if, if you're providing hard copies the quality of those records needs to be clear so that the parties can actually read them and, and you need to just check the records as well that um, those records might uh, be included in an individual's records that might uh, uh, relate to another agency or organisation are just uh, noted and checked that you're not inadvertently disclosing records on behalf of another organisation. In terms of practical considerations, is there anything else that you think needs to be considered? Um, so you need to be careful when you're undertaking reviews before you hit send on any disclosure. Um, first off, that you've given disclosure to the right individual. You're absolutely right, Liz, that you need to make sure that you're not disclosing anything that goes beyond with other organisations, but you need to double check who the disclosure request is in relation to. And it's only going to be in relation to the service user subject to proceedings. So you need to double check, for example, in the daily notes record that there hasn't been an error where another service user name has been put at the top or that somebody else's date of birth or in the activities page that you might say that this individual's had a craft session and was talking to another service user. If that other service user is named, then that needs to be redacted before it goes. It doesn't mean to say that you can withhold disclosure entirely. It just means that you need to block it out. And that could be as simple as with a black marker going through and making sure that you're anonymizing it and you're not inadvertently disclosing the name of another service user or their relatives or any family member. The other things that you need to be careful for are really things that, as part of your fundamental standards, a care home provider should be very familiar with. So it's about your GDPR compliance, it's about making sure that you know who you're sending it to and that you've fully satisfied yourself that you've got a lawful basis to doing that. The formal disclosure, that's your third party disclosure order. If you have informal, then as you said Liz earlier, it's about getting that email from perhaps commissioner, so the ICB or your local authority, saying I would like copies of X um, and a reason for that. You also need to have a think about how you're going to send it. So have you got a method that you can send it securely? If it's going to go electronically or can you password protect? If you've got any problem with that, then again, you should always go back to the individual that served you with the order and say, have you got a platform that we could use perhaps, or could you send me an encrypted link that I can then hit attachment to? So it's easier, I think, for those service users who have kind of come up with the digital age and the providers are using digital care home records. They can tendly go to the dashboard of whatever electronic system that they're using and see very clearly what they hold for that service user. If you don't, then unfortunately it is quite a large task and it does incur quite a lot of resources. But if you've got an order, then you do need to comply with it. So I suppose just in summary and, and overall, you, the, the points to take away are to, to make sure that you know who is making the request as for any other request for disclosure, mm -hmm. uh, check the uh, the contents of the order and make sure you you take it uh, seriously and in good time and, and address it comprehensively would be, I think, yeah. the main points to take away. Absolutely, yeah. As soon as you see it, engage with it. 
it might be a bit of a daunting document, um, but the sooner that you engage with it, the smoother and the easier the disclosure exercise should become. Thank you. Thanks, Rachel and Liz, for helping to demystify the Court of Protection for, for our social care provider listeners. Um, I mean, I found today's episode, you know, really interesting where you were looking at the disclosure in Court of Protection and how a social care provider may find themselves in the receipt of a re request for disclosure. Um, I mean, certainly when I was listening, it was just some really sort of valuable practical information there on um, on timeframes and extensions. And I think just the point you made yourself in, in your own summary there was, you know, make sure you act on it. You know, don't let it sit there is, um, is, is sort of of fundamental importance. But I'm certainly looking forward to finding out more in future episodes, which will delve into more detail. And um, the next episode, which I understand will look at witness evidence in the Court of Protection. Should any of our listeners have any comments, questions or suggestions for future episodes, please feel free to get in touch with me via email at j.baker at hempsons.co.uk.